NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast and a smiling face and a hell of an adventure coming up for our next guest. Please tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? I'm Captain fucking Manicorn. That's uh, what I do and I do <laughs> rad shit. I don't know what else to say. If you know who I am, you know what I do. But uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. man. Captain Manicorn. Captain Manicorn, Manicorn. Where, where did yeah. Captain Manicorn come from, by the way, before we get too deep? All right, so there was this, definitely there was, I think it originally, like, it was like unicorn mystical creatures. There were probably a bunch of LSD involved, and I imagine back then some good drugs. And it was like this manicorn, like, when you Googled it, it was like this dude, this eight-pack, like, super buff, and he had, this, like, this unicorn on. It was like a manicorn, and I was like, that's a great name. Like, I wonder if we could run with that and have some fun with it. So we did. It was like, the, a, like just for fun, a spoof. 
And then one day I, I dyed my hair rainbow. I was like the fun director for this color run company. And I dyed my hair, uh, all these rainbow colors. I originally Sandra, who was it? I looked like the guy from, uh, um, the Harry Potter, you know, the white hair, like the, this, this chick fucked up my hair. So she dies at rainbow. I go to Puerto Rico for the, one of the boogies. And I jump in the water and I come out, my head's fucking green. So like I go back obviously, and I go back to my, ride with my dad, we ride Harleys and you know, and all this, we're part of a club moral free. And we're going on this bike run. And my dad's like, you should be captain fucking manicorn. Yeah. I'm like, what dad? I was like, I know you're drunk, but what the fuck are you talking about, homie? He's like, yeah, Captain Captain Manicorn. That's your name. And I'm like, all right, Captain fucking Manicorn. So, it, it, you know, like, a, you know, you, so like when people are like Manicorn, I just say, I essentially just say like, it's like a unicorn, but with a dick, a mystical creature rarely seen in public <laughs> does fucking rad shit. That's all you need to know. That's, that's nice. what Captain Manicorn is. Yeah. Okay. I, I dig that that came from your dad of all people. Yeah, yeah, he's, that, he's a lunatic. <laughs> that's fucking great. That's great. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, as I always do with the podcast, I jump people back to how they got started, not necessarily in skydiving or base jumping, but uh, anything extreme. Like, what was your start into stuff like that? Well, let, let's define, let's, let's, let's start this podcast off by defining extreme. Uh, well, from my definition, anything that the general public, and that's a tough one to nail down, but the, the general public thinks is uh, a little bit farther than their normal comfort zone. So for some people, yeah. that's even something along the lines of surfing and snowboarding. But uh, for our purposes, let's say uh, anything that you would equate to being equal to jumping out of a plane. Yeah. So I got my first dirt bike. It was a YZ big wheel 80 at four years old. Oh, wow. Broke my first, yeah. Broke my first bone at like six. Um, <laughs> my dad was rad, you know, um, like I said, come from a biker background and ho building hot rods in the eighties. I was, I'm born, I'm 41. So my dad's an eighties child. He was like 18 when they had me. So what do you do when you're 18 and you have a kid? You, you, you do, you, you do what you want still, but you make your kid do this shit too. Right. So dad's like, you know, he's on an old 500, you know, like, you know, things that used to break your leg because you had to like, you know, like the kickstart, you know, kind of thing. And uh, that's how it all started with dirt bikes. And I guess, I guess if I look back, I used to sing, right? I, I don't think I've ever talked about this before. So when I used to ride a dirt bike, I used to sing to myself while I was riding. Nice. And didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter what kind of fucked up shit was happening in my life. Right. Like I would get on this dirt bike and I would just start singing while I'm hitting jumps and all of that. So I think it progressed, you know, and then we fast forward to a bunch of bullshit, group homes, abuse, alcohol, all that good stuff. Uh, I was about 17 and I had got kicked out of one of the group homes and I was get, getting on the verge of getting expelled from Cleveland High School. And my aunt or cousin, she introduced me to this thing called Venture Crew. And they were basically a bunch of rich kids, like super, like different than me, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a street kid, first off. So sure. I'll always be a street kid. I am a street kid. These guys were like, you know, proper. They had, you know, good language. They dressed nice. They all drove nice cars to these meetings. And my cousin, Vicky, got me into this. She's dead now. Uh, but she got me into this. And this guy, David, who was a corporate lawyer and Deborah, and they had a daughter, uh, Danica. They took me out one day to this place called Stony Point, which is in Chatsworth. I'm from SFV, San Fernando Valley, right? I'm a valley boy. Uh, and we, anyway, he makes me go to a sport chalet back then to get a pair of rock climbing shoes. And he takes me to this rock, and it's like 50 feet tall, and he, he clips me in. He's like, all right, climb it. And I just like looked at him like, what do you mean climb this shit? Homie? Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like, 
we're doing LSD at school on the weekends. You know, it's all about banging, <laughs> banging chicks and doing drugs. And like, I, you know, I'm, I'm fucking failing every class. I've been expelled from every school I've been in. And all of a sudden I'm standing there with this guy and he's like tied me into this. I don't know what he tied I, back then. I don't know what's going on. He's like, I got these weird shoes. Look like a clown, look like an idiot back then. Right. Cause no one climbed back then. You got to remember this is, you know, this is before climbing gyms before like climbing was a big deal. Yeah. So I'm like, it's like, you want me to climb that? He goes, yeah. So if you climb, I'll catch you. You're on belay. I'm like, okay. So I sent that shit. And like instantly, as soon as I had hands touch this rock, my life changed. That was a, that was like a before and after moment for me. Um, you know, and I got back, I was luckily in California back then. And so I had two lives. I had this life where I was around older climbers, you know, cause most of them were all older. Cause it was a, you know, you, you have money to go climbing and you know, it was a, it wasn't a cheap sport back then. It was like, you know, uh, I don't know how you explain it. Like, you know, like, um, it was like two lives. I had the kids at school that I would hang out with, but then I just wanted to climb every day. So then hmm. I would go, right? So I had these group of friends of climbers who were athletes and they would take me out on the weekends and, and they would put me through the ringer. They, they, they'd test my courage, right? They'd humble me, all kinds of stuff. They'd show me bonfires and, and like what that kind of community was like. Sure. So that was my first extreme sports community was climbing back then mm. it wasn't the same climbing it is now there was no gyms there was no climbing gyms there was no none of that shit it was fucking big wall climbers it was people that getting you know living in the dirt right so um fast forward uh climbed for years you know did a bunch of cool shit um and then i got arrested obviously went to prison for four years all kinds of rowdy shit i did i wanted to be a gangster uh, so I went around and played gangster for a couple of years, got arrested, did four years, three years on parole. And when I had got out of prison, uh, um, and by the way, like, I don't think like people get into extreme sports. Like it's not something, it's like being gay almost like, right. Like you're, it's not a choice on <laughs> me, right? Like, yeah, you don't wait, you don't wake up and like, Oh, well, I wonder if I can suck a dick today. That's not what it's like. Like you wake up, you know, you're gay. That's fine. <laughs> no problems. Like you don't wake up and you're like, Oh, I want to go do something extreme. Like you look at something and you're like, Yeah that's fucking happening and you break shit right like in the yeah. beginning you're testing it you know like before parkour was parkour we were just climbing trees jumping off buildings with umbrellas on the fucking mattresses right like yeah. so it's not like something it's not something that you it's i didn't watch a youtube video and become an extreme sports athlete right, like i was right. I, I you know what i mean like this shit was it's i'm bred to do it sure so uh you know like i said fast forward get out of prison uh so I had this like two lives going again. Like, so I was lying to the parole. I was supposed to be working and have a job, but I worked for my uncle at the time. And so what I basically did was, uh, he signed me up for mixed martial arts before I did boxing. I, I was a good boxer and all that. And, and I love fighting. So that, <laughs> that was, was a weird combination. Right. Uh, so when I got out, I, I spent about two years doing mixed martial arts and I basically trained eight to 10 hours a day. I did mm. three and a half hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. The parole would call. They'd ask my uncle if I was working. He'd fucking lie. And, and basically what this was was saving my life. Mm. I wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to go get a job. I wasn't going to do these things. I had too much anger. I had too much hostility. And I, and I still was mad at myself. And I wanted to hurt other people to make myself feel better. Sure. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I fought a bunch of fights. I did really well. And then I was getting, I, I was just sore. Like I was tearing rotators cuffs. I was just fucking sore uh, all the time. It, uh, best physical shape of my life. And, you know, like part of our course was like getting hit a lot and training and, and just exhausted. And I'm, you know, ironically, I had to bring my dad back into this. My dad's my best friend. So my father was a correctional officer. He's a Lieutenant in Ironwood state prison for 25 years. Holy shit. So imagine, 
yeah so this plot takes another fucking twist right fucking so hey. my dad yeah yeah so dad goes from like getting into hell's angels and hot rods and fucking pcp to having me to you know moving to, to moving sacramento to like becoming a correctional officer to going straight laced becoming a fucking asshole all his friends are assholes i'm always fighting his friends right because you know what i mean like you could take the hoe out what i don't know that expression what is it you take the that no, I, don't, I don't remember it doesn't matter you couldn't take the street kid out of me i was a right. fucking little thug so my dad's you know they're all straight laced or tough guys so it was a, it was a hard for me and then basically i grew up in this small town called blythe california population twenty thousand people yeah you know it well guess yeah. what ten thousand of those ten thousand of those motherfuckers are inmates uh families <laughs> right i'm just fucking boxing left and right like this is like the get down like oh your dad's a correctional officer mm. so my whole life was just boxing like you know because they're mad because their dad's in jail. I'm some white kid. And this is just how it gets down. And this, and this is, you know, this is also the way in San Fernando Valley. So it doesn't matter. I'm used to this shit. So I got to take all this fucking anger with me. So now my dad, I talk to him every day. Like he's the only motherfucker I understood. Like he, cause he saw evil. He's been down for 25 years. Like if you do the math, he did about 12 years, you know, 13 years straight himself mm. with all the overtimes and all that bullshit. So me and my dad are basically, and he's like, He's like, you just train. He goes, I don't care if you win, lose. It's not about that for you. You just need to exert this energy you have. Sure. So obviously, fighting is not sustainable. Uh, UFC wasn't a thing yet. This was still boxing and, you know, whatever. It was still underground boxing and shit. Uh, one day, I, I, I had saw this movie, Cliffhanger. Remember with yep. Sylvester Stallone? Oh, yeah, man. So remember that. Okay, so I like rock climbing. Remember? So, all, so I like Sylvester Stallone, right? So all of a sudden, I see this fucking dude jump off a fucking mountain. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> right. And I'm like, what is that? So, but this is as a kid, right? So now it's all coming together. So now skydiving, it's starting to make sense. So I saw that when I was like probably 14. So I, I book myself a tandem, like uh, just by myself, no friends, no family shows up with me. I just book a tandem. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go see this skydiving thing. So all I'm doing at the time is MMA. And then I go, I, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go skydive. I do a tandem. You make your like, jump? Oh, uh, in Ventura. Okay. Out of a, at 182. At 182 I'm like, what the fuck? This is amazing. I, I take my brother on his 18th birthday. I make my dad pay for his for his jump. I'm like, all right, we're gonna go do another tandem. So I go out and do a tandem, and we had a great. We land. Okay, it's like my. I think it was just part of like I watched my brother's face. He's a cocky kid too. His name's Cody. I love I love his smart genius, and he's cocky. We're bullshitting the whole way up, and I remember he's sitting on, next to the door, and I remember I'm smiling like, yeah, motherfucker, and all of a sudden, you know, the the, the TI he opens up the door. You know, we're at like probably back then and probably 10, five or something like that. You know, they probably told you full altitude, but it was a fucking tandem factory. So they probably were probably at 10. I don't even know what we were jumping at. Sure. So he opened Yeah. Right. Real shit. So he opens up the door and uh, like, I see my brother look left out the, at the door and I see his face just go fucking white. And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> motherfucker, this shit's real. So like he got, you know, he does, you know, grabs his forehead, pulls it back. And I'm watching my brother's eyes just light up and I'm like, that's cool. It's not just me. Like this shit is cool. Yeah, man. So we land. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool. So we land and we're like going to talk to the guys and, and we're like, Hey, we want to, uh, we want to get our licenses. We need, and they're like, well, we don't do that. You know, we're a tandem factory. I was like, we don't, we, I don't know what you're saying right now. You're just saying words to us. How do we do this? We want to do it ourselves. And they're just saying random shit. So we're like, okay, we're going to figure it out. So we end up now we're still poor. So we end up going to Paris. We, we don't know it's Paris. We don't know. It's just for us, it's our backyard. We don't know it's Paris. Paris, okay? yeah. So, yeah, Paris. We don't know this shit. So, you know, uh, so I, I show up and 
I got this guy. He's kind of weird looking, and his name was like Matt Blank, right? I fucking he's he's my mentor. I love Matt. He's I fucking love this guy. But I didn't know all this at the time. All right, so we're we're we're, we're playing two scenarios at one. So Matt's like, all right, Jamie. So why are you guys here? And of course, I'm like, I want a fucking wingsuit base jump, right? <laughs> You're one of those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted, but I didn't, I didn't watch YouTube videos. I just knew I was gonna fly a fucking wingsuit. Like nice. I, I, I don't watch, I don't watch, you know, social networks back then. I didn't have that. What, what did we have back then? It wasn't even Facebook. It no. was uh, MySpace. MySpace, MySpace and shit. <laughs> yeah, right. So there's no fucking YouTube videos. Like you know, there 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 wasn't the Scotty Bobs and all these mats and all these guys to watch. It was fucking MySpace. But you you saw these these guys wingsuiting. I want to do that. So but Matt's super patient, and he always has been patient with me. He's like, all right, we we can get you there, but before we jump <laughs> off of cliffs with a wingsuit, let's get, right. let's get an AFS, right? So. So I'm like, all right, cool. So it was actually really weird. So it was our first experience at Paris. Me and my brother went through the whole thing. It was just us in the whole class. It was really cool. And we got winded out. So what there was a big difference was I came back the next week. My brother went back to Blythe and we had a separation. So I was poor. So every month I would have to play the game. I wouldn't get, I would jump at like the last day before my reoccurrence or, you know, like your currency, your currency jump. Yeah, you yeah. didn't get your. After 30 days, you have to go back and sit through that fucking class again and, and do all that bullshit. I didn't have the money to do that. So I saved up all month and I would do the one jump. I did this for like three months. And then I got this opportunity uh, to move to Texas. So we did. And we went to Skydive Dallas. Mm. Epic fucking drop zone. Great group of people. Um, this was before it was Skydive Spaceland Dallas. This was when it was just Skydive Dallas. And it was a, a true drop zone. There were you know, people living in the trailers in the back. And it was community after every day of jumping, you know, we're getting fucked up and, 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 you know, it's just, it, it was a real drop zone, not a, uh, it wasn't a tandem factory. There was a fun jump community and it was really cool. So of course I failed like my, they, they he gave me some fuck. Sandra, what was that? He gave me a signal. He put his fingers up. I, I don't know what he did. I had never seen that signal before in my life. And he's, I'm just not, I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know what you're saying to me right now, man. So they failed me. For my AFF, like four or something like that. I figured out what it was. It was, uh, I, I don't remember what it was. I still don't remember. But anyways, so I, you know, they had a tunnel back then. So he's like, look, go to the tunnel, work on some shit and come back. So it wasn't easy for me. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm such a fucking spaz. Like in the beginning, I, I just loved jumping out of the airplane. Um, but then, you know, like back then, you know, you get into a tunnel, you learn to sit fly and you can throw money at it. And so it, then it progressed quickly. Uh, sure. I think on my, you know, I, I, so what happened was we were throwing color runs and at the same time we made our first money sandra worked for me so my brother moved to texas um we this girl waffles moved to texas uh we literally had an offer he's like if you want this job to be the to be uh, the director you need to be here next week so we had to bail on our fucking lease i had to borrow a thousand dollars from my mom we all loaded up our shit on u-haul trucks and we just fucking drove from los angeles to essentially dallas texas Mm. um yeah, I'm not a fan of tech. Anyways, another story. Uh, so essentially, like that, we went all in on it. And for like the first couple of months going to Skydive Spaceland, I couldn't pull it off. Like every month, I just had to save up. And then we made a bunch of money. I bought a new rig. I paid for the rest of my AFF, and I was fucking fully invested into this shit. Yeah. Um, and and that was it. Like that was the beginning of it, right? Because so now we got a tour bus. We're we're I've been to like 70 drop zones in America. It was better for us to because we're you know we're throwing events in every state. So we. Oh, ended up owning this company. So what we did is like poor kids, we would say, we want to go to Alaska. We, we can't afford to go to Alaska. So what we would do is throw an event in Alaska. So then my whole crew 
would show up to Alaska and we would go skydive there and, and rage. So when I got into skydiving, I, I had a bit of an issue with politics. Hmm. Like my biggest issue with skydiving is the community. I love the skydivers by themselves, but as a community, I can't fucking stand them. So when we showed up, uh, I had a crew, like a solid crew. Like we were already gangsters. So my whole crew was showing up to this drop zone. So when, like we instantly got along with the, uh, with the riggers, the packers, the pilots, but I did not get along with the fucking fun jumpers. There was a different, they were a different breed than I was They They were, had money or whatever it was, or they wanted me to earn whatever. I don't know what it was, but I, for like the first two years of the sport, I only hung out with riggers, um, you know, packers, pilots, and, and the people that worked in the sport because I could relate to, to them. And most of the best in the world started off as these people anyways, right? They worked their way through the, the sport. Not now. Now we have tunnels. It's a different game. It's a different sport. Sure. I get that. But back then, back then, camera boys, right? Like you would go from packing to jumping to, to flying camera to fucking doing tandems and to AFFs. And that's, you know, between getting rid of the student to, to landing is your time that you get to practice. And that's why we have some of the best canopy pilots, right? That's how they all, they all came about. So we, we just terrorized as a crew and we had a great experience. Um, and I think that moving the story along 70 drop zones later, that's why I probably don't skydive as much as I, as I did because eventually I, I couldn't stand the communities anymore. It, it was like, we were doing drugs. We were partying. I was blowing shit up. Sure. All <laughs> these things are true. Whatever. I mean, it's not like I fucking stopped being a criminal for God's sakes. I mean, I didn't go to prison for fucking being a Mormon. So <laughs> it's fuck, you know? Uh, so eventually we just had to get out of the, get out of the game. Uh, cause it wasn't, it was detrimental to our business, to what we were trying to do. And it wasn't healthy for us. And let's be honest, like there's nothing easier than going to boogies and doing drugs. It's just, sure. they go together like fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So, uh, we got into, um, I got into wingsuit base jumping, finally moved that along a little bit. Um, you know, like doing gainers for my first jumps and shit like that. I was kind of reckless <laughs> to say the least. And uh, my wife finally showed up to Vecco, which is Voss. If people don't know what that is, it's um, it's like it's the mecca of extreme sports. Like, there's no better place in the world than Norway, and they have this boogie once a year called Vecco. It's Extreme Sports Week, and it's actually like the circuit. You start off in like Shrog, jumping off cliffs, and you make your way up through Norway. And great, and everybody there is like-minded. You have you know kayakers, rock climbers, downhillers. So it, for me, being a oh man, it sounds terrible, but like a polyathlete coming from mountain bike racing, motocross racing, all these different things, like getting to Norway and seeing like that there's a place for people like me. I, I obviously fell in love with it. Um, and then that was also 2016. There was 22 deaths that year. And there was yeah, some of the best man. in the world that died. That was a rough fucking was a year. Rough, rough fucking year. And of course, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking, I'm with like Mike, I was legends there. And all of a sudden everybody's just dying. And yeah. I'm like, fuck, these guys are talented not my kind of talent like I'm, I'm a good athlete and i really have to work hard at it and I, I commit but these guys like put the work in we're talking about you know like fucking great minds great artists great athletes and they're you know they're just fucking dying left and right yeah so man yeah real sure. shit right yeah man so, i mean micah's hit hit hard for a lot of fucking people um yeah. and micah's one of the guys you're talking about that was just a rare fucking talent. That guy just had talent oozing out of every goddamn pore. And on top of everything, he was a fucking sweetheart. Yeah. He I was know. just an amazing <laughs> dude, man. I mean, you know, you know. I do I do know Micah. Yeah. So, right. So so it took this toll on me because it was like 
I think I, I think it might have been the first time in my life that I scared myself because mm. let's be honest, like I'm with these guys, you know, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I'm a, I'm a fucking, I maybe had 13, maybe 20 base jumps before I did a gainer off a cliff for the wingsuit. Right. And, and I send in this shit. Okay. Right. And I'm, but I'm crushing it. I'm doing six ways, seven ways. It, the ability was there, mm. but I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I mean, at this point I had maybe 1500 wingsuit jumps. So I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't understand wingsuiting. I didn't understand performance flying. I didn't understand these different things. I was a stuntman, right? So I was an acro. I, I grew up at Zephyr Hills with Travis Mickle, the kid, Wes, all these guys. And we're acro kids, right? Mm. We're flying Tony suits and we're fucking doing acro. We're flying slow as fuck. And, you know, I mean, we're just, we're just acro kids having a good time and partying. Okay. Sure. So now all of a sudden I'm doing, I'm, I'm flying the Arbor and everybody, is fast and that's fine i'm fast too i luckily knew a, a norwegian kaino who taught me about flying fast so i didn't show up flying slow i show up flying fast but all of a sudden i had line twist okay well hold on so i jumped off a mountain naked with a wingsuit wearing a unicorn hat doing xr trying to do a three-way with a hang glider and kyle the priest yeah that shit was cool <laughs> so sweet <laughs> yeah so wolfie he's a fucking like world-class hang glider and uh, me and Kyle, it's it's Veco, so it's like, hey, so we've got a happy face and a sad face sock on our cocks. So we're butt naked, and we're you know, we're, you know, imagine all these Chinese tour buses, and we're just fucking two white boys standing out in the middle of fucking Norway like Vikings, shaking our dicks and stuff like that as tour bus, and we're jumping on a helicopter. We're showing up. It's fucking cold up there. Let's get real. Yeah. And there's this dude with this fucking long weird thing up top, and I'm like, oh, that's a hang glider. That's cool, I guess. I'm like, hey, dude, you want to jump off this fucking mountain together, man? He like looks at me. He's like, yeah, I do. I'm like, cool, man. Let's do it. I'm like, Kyle, let's jump off with this fucking hang glider. Let's jump off this cliff, dude. He's like, yeah, okay. So now you've got two wingsuiters and a fucking hang glider standing on the cliff edge. You're like, we have no idea what's about to happen. I was like, <laughs> I'm about to die. Like, this motherfucker is going to plow me into the cliff. So we sent it. Whatever. We're, and I'm wearing this fucking unicorn hat. Like, this fluffy. I've got this thing tied around my neck. So it's like covering my eyes a little bit. And I'm fucking jump off this cliff. And I and it's great. Well, it worked out well. And next thing I know, I've got like fucking line twist. And you can, I'm so, I pulled so dirty fucking low. You can hear Micah uh, and Felix and all these guys at the bottom. Yeah, Jamie. Like you can, I can hear motherfuckers yelling at me. Right. <laughs> and my, this is the first jump that my wife ever saw. Oh, Jesus so Christ. Fucking, yeah, man. So my wife's like in the spectator area and you've got Micah and all everybody. And everybody's just fucking screaming at me. And I'm fucking a deep in line twist. So I'm, I'm like aiming at, the, aiming at the earth in line twist. And luckily, I literally got out of it, like twist, kicked myself out of it, saved myself, fucking pop toggles, flare, landed on this fucking road. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. It was a crazy, it changed my life. There was a lot of weird things that happened in Norway that changed, changed my life that trip in 2016. That was the catapult to, to make me who I am today. Mm. It, I felt more, I felt more, at home in Norway than I did in America. Like I got along more with these guys, even though we got in a huge fight and like broke each other's noses, there's blood everywhere. Like I was outcasted by the Americans. Like you can't act like that, but it was the Norwegians who took me in. Right. And it was like, it was like this weird thing that happened in my life. And I was like, Holy fuck. I feel at home here. Like this is, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what it's supposed to, to feel like to be around other like-minded people that I'm not right in the head. I'm fucked in the head guys. 
and 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 Norwegians are too. I hate to tell you, they're fucked in the head, man. They have a sure. great perspective on life, and I and I love it, right? Because they're fucking Vikings. They're warriors. Sure, I'm a warrior. So I felt all of a sudden I felt at home, and my wife. It just fucked everything up, though. This this line twist, her almost watching me die, right? And um, it, it was a weird turning point between everybody else dying. And my wife's like, I, I can't deal with this. And I'm like, fair enough. I was like, so like, I saw this video of Jamie Lee, right? Okay. Speed flying back then. So and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not going to wingsuit base jump as much, I'm going to do this. And she had no idea what she was looking at. She, she, you know, she had never paraglided or speed flown. And I'm watching Jamie Lee's like proximity fly probably on a six and a half meter wing. And I'm right. like, okay, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this, babe. And she's like, okay, no problem. That's much better. But actually it was. I got away from the drop zones. Yeah, I got away from. Obviously, I wasn't on a six meter. I started off on a on a thirteen, uh, and, and I got away from the drop zones. And I was two hundred and thirty four pounds at the time. So I was this little fat kid. It was fucking crazy, because in Texas there's no uh, mountains. So okay. I was just eating, yeah. and I was gaining weight and skydiving because I mean, come on, it's a fat kids can skydive. It's a it's a fat kid sport too, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Really though, right? Like you're not. You know, there's not much effort to it. You know, like. For sure. You, you could be a lazy skydiver, a lazy skydiver. Okay. So all of a sudden now I'm hiking and things are getting quiet in my head and I'm starting to understand things. My wife wanted to learn to paraglide. So paragliding came about, um, and then paramotoring. And then, you know, years went by, we, we got back into, it. I was still base jumping every year. I'd jump a couple times, but as stunts, like just to, to do it. Sure. And then something, something happened where in 2019, we had left America I actually lied to everybody. I said I'd be gone for a month. And I went to back I went to back to Norway and it was Veco. And I was actually part of um um team one call. So okay. I wasn't only on team one call, I was also part of team one call for wingsuiting. And I was part of team one call for speed flying. Nice. Like talk about dreams come true, right? So I'm hanging out, I'm I'm getting to perform and do stunts with the best in the world. Sure. Two different dis- two different disciplines. And again. In Norway, of all places, I, I felt at home. So I actually called my wife and I was like, look, we had a, a business, a ranch. I had a nonprofit. Everything was going. But I was like, you know, I was overweight. I was just unhappy. I was like, I, I'm not coming home. I was like, I, I would like to stay here. You know, I want you to come out here. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And how the fuck right. are we going to make money? And I'm like, look, and, I, and because of my background, because of the group homes, because of the, 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 the 20 different schools, because of the fuck in prison because of all these things the one gift that i've had is to be able to hit the reset button if i don't like the way something's going sure i hit that button i just fucking hit the button and there's casualties to that usually right like that's part of it you know like another story for another day there's usually casualties when i hit the reset button but but it doesn't matter because there's no good time to follow your dreams there's never going to be the right time to follow your dream sure um right it makes sense yeah yeah um, absolutely yeah so she, she agreed to it. I was like, look, I'm not going to get off the phone with you until, cause she's my best friend. She, like it has to make sense to her. Like I have to have her with me. You sure. know, she, she's, she's the rock, right? Like I'm, I'm fucking Tasmanian devil and she's just like the calm. That's the balance to my whole life. So she's like, fine. She grabs our dog. She jumps on the plane. She shuts down the company and she gets on a plane. Uh, right. COVID, let me fast forward all this shit. COVID hits. I go to Thailand and, uh, at the time, we were. I, I knew that I wanted to make videos. I knew that I wanted to. I, I enjoyed telling the story of sports, but right. not just like a YouTube video from like exit to to end of the exit. Like, there's so much more to what we do. There's 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 a whole world 
Sure. Um, you know, and I wanted to share that, but I didn't know how at the time. So I went to Thailand for six weeks. I was doing a, a, a science experiment. I wanted to see if happy endings were the same from lady boys versus <laughs> females. Uh, no, I was joking. But it's Thailand. Whatever happens in Thailand stays in Thailand, right, guys? <laughs> um, so I'm getting a nod from my wife. She's giving me the devil look. Oh, uh, but actually, yeah, I don't give a fuck. At the time, I thought it was, it's just it's in the name of science, guys. It's in the name of science. I'm open-minded. <laughs> uh, so I'm on this trip, and... And I, I went by myself. I didn't bring any sports gear with me. I went for six weeks on my own. I, I drove, I, I went everywhere. I just wanted to see if I could get along with normal people again. Like I, I'd been around sports people, egotistic, like drive and crazy and death and all this shit for so many years now. Sure. I wanted to put all that away and, and just see, like, think. I wanted, like, what was, what am I going to do with my future? What do I want to do with my life? Sure. So six weeks, it took me walking around and I would talk to Sandra every day. And I, I, I talked through with what I'm working on. She actually was trying to start this. It was like manicorn fucking merchandise or something terrible affiliate, affiliate marketing program. Cause she's a great marketer, obviously. And I'm like, I'm like, look, that is terrible. Uh, I got back and I'm like, look, we had talked about Captain Manicorn this whole time. I'm like, look, if we're going to do something, we should do it together and we should give it everything we have because sure. if we're going to, you know, quit that old life, then we should work to, you can't do what you want. Cause I, I think I, I thought I had come home definitively knowing what I wanted to do. My mm. mind was set that I was going to run Captain Manicorn. I wanted to do sports and I was going to try to become a professional athlete. And it was my sure. dream. And I, and that was what I wanted to do. And I, you know, so she's like, no, I'm in, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And, uh, so we spent the last, you know, like the next months trying to figure out. And she had, she had this hard time with it though. She was like, it's gay. We can't just be a fucking another sports channel, fucking YouTube, some right. dick fucking wingsuiting. Like, you know, it's, that's fucking terrible. And she's like, it has, it has no purpose. Like, I don't want to do this. So she comes out one morning and she goes, what did you say? You said, I have a bomb. I'm like, look, woman, I haven't even had a cup of coffee yet. Chill out. All right. Look, relax. <laughs> and she's like, no, I have a bomb. I'm like, what do you got? She goes, we're going to set a world record to do air sports in every country of the world. I just looked at her and I said, you're full of shit, right? Because she was fucking terrified of like going to Africa. She was so scared to go to some of these countries in the beginning. She's some white girl from fucking Thousand Oaks. And I'm like, let's go to Zimbabwe. And there's like motherfuckers dying and getting hung and, and, and tortured and fucking kidnapped over there. And she's like, absolutely not. And all of a sudden she comes out to me and I've been trying to get to like these remote places for a while. And she comes out and she's like, we're going everywhere. I'm like, you don't want to go everywhere, woman. I said, you're crazy. And she's like, no, this is what we need to do. This will give us purpose. This will be the thing. I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, selfish as a motherfucker. I'm like, wait a minute. So you want to dedicate all of your energy to <laughs> us traveling the world, doing air sports in every country of the world. This is what you want to do. Right. I tried to do that reverse psychology shit on him. Like, no, you don't want to do this. No, you don't. You don't want to do this. This is a bad idea. Right. And uh, no, yeah, it worked. So she's <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm in. That's awesome. So I, I had to take it to, yeah, right, right. So I had to take it to another level, though, because it's not just airs. We, we had to find definitions. We had to talk to, like, Guinness Book of World Record, like, all this shit we tried to figure out. So essentially, <laughs> I would like to do wingsuiting, base jumping, paragliding, speed flying, paramotoring, skydiving in every country of the world. Jesus. Right? So if you – yeah, right? No, I'm Jamie. But listen, so <laughs> if you break that down, that is essentially a different community. Right. So, yeah, there are some athletes that cross over to paragliding or skydiving or skydiving to base jumping or whatever it is. 
But essentially what happened was this meta metamorphosis. What is that word? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Yeah. Yeah. Metamorphosis. So what happened was, is that we would show up to these countries and I would have to like spend weeks trying to get into forums or Facebooks or, you know, paragliding forums. Like, Hey, I'm fucking Jamie. I'm coming to your country. I would love to do rad shit. I don't know anybody there. I don't know any of your politics rules or any of this. Will somebody please throw me a lifeline? And, and, and slowly in the beginning, it was hard. Sure. Right? Like, you know, I, I fucking hours in reaching out to people and emails and like, I'm, I'm a stalker when it comes to like, if I want to do sports somewhere, like even right now in Chamonix, like I'm that creeper, like posting on the fucking Facebook groups, like, Hey, I by myself, I'd love to hike with people. You know, the French don't fucking like you know anybody, so that's it's hard over here. But <laughs> right, but so I'm doing this in these countries, uh, you know, because I'm not I'm not a shy guy, so I'm just reaching out, and that's how it all started. Sure. So what happened was we would show up, and I would meet the sky. Skydivers are easy, so they're they're the easiest ones because you can just show up to a drop zone, and at first you're like they all look at you like you're fucking retarded, and then they're like talking to you, and then you do some rad shit, and they're like, oh, I've seen you before, I know who you are. I'm like, cool. So essentially we started this, you know, this world record, like she's like, let's start this world record. And that's what we told the world. And it took like a couple of years of people like, you know, didn't believe that we weren't coming back to America. So everybody's like, that's great. Like they, they almost felt like patronizing me, like tapping on me on the head. Like I was a little fucking kid. Like I'm like, I'm going to go to every country of the world, go do rad shit. And they're like, that's nice. When are you coming home back to this real life and, you know, getting a job and throwing events again? And then I, you know, nobody obviously says that anymore because it's been, you know, almost five years now. But um, so we've just been, man, it's been fucking crazy. Like in the beginning, it was hard. It was really hard to get to these new countries and, and, and meet people. And so what we were talking about was every community is different. So you would go from like a skydiver group to a paragliding group. And then the paragliders would call the homies who base jump or they would call somebody who has a helicopter or call somebody called a hot air balloon. So when it started off as this, we didn't really understand this, but it was going to take us like five weeks, four weeks, because every, you know, air sport is its own community. So sure. you have to dedicate certain time to, to getting to know them, to setting something up. So now we're on this world trip where we don't care how long it takes us. And I, and I tell people like, this is a 20 year project because, and they're like, okay, what are you going to do afterwards? And I'm, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Motherfuckers? What am I right. going to do afterwards? Like, I, I'm, I'm good. Like, check did that shit like i just saw the world from you know a point of view that you know so internally secretly i also have this mission to break down in every country of the world so like we <laughs> are broke down right yeah fuck man we're broke down right now sitting at a um a climbing gym we've been here for like three days actually we got kicked out of a campground yesterday i had to coast the van down to a dirt spot so that we could camp next to the to the uh, climbing gym because they have we have a membership here for the month and they have free showers and we can go hang out there every day. Uh, that's real life. And well, well, we got disconnected because of fucking Zoom. I'm actually talking with this guy Harold. If people who do follow us know that we were in Morocco in this van and we actually blew this motherfucking motor up, right? Because like I am full send. I grew up in the dunes. I grew up in Glamis. So like when we hit sand, like you know, it went in doubt. Gas out. That's the rule. So uh, I blew up this motor. And uh, at the same time, I, I can't make this shit up, man. Like we are trying to like the word influencers is so gay. We hate that terminology, but we are like uh, social network influencers, right? So we had just got this deal with um, a trip scout. So our database went from like 80,000 followers to 36 million. And we got this 
deal where we were going to be uh, at a five-star hotel, like where the princes and kings of Morocco go. So all of a sudden, we're like, I can hear the fucking, I can hear the bearing. I think it's like probably the bearing on the camp starting to go. And we're like coasting into this place. It's rattling. We're at like, it's $2,500 a night fucking palace. Like jacuzzis in the, in the, in the room, like, you know, electric blinds and our own butler and all this shit. Right. And we're just like losing our fucking, we're sitting there eating chocolate covered strawberries with champagne and this jacuzzi. And we're like, yo, we're fucking broke. Like, like, (laughs) what are we going to do? Right. Like this is, it's like, I, I can't even tell people like, you know, like I we didn't, we shit was so fucked up. We didn't even want to post that we were in this hotel because we're like dirt poor dirt bags, you know, just trying to follow this dream. We're staying at like this $10,000 worth of fucking hotel. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's insanity. And we leave the next day we leave the fucking motor blows up. Like, and I, okay, hold on. It didn't blow up. First I went to a mechanic and the fucking terrible mechanics in Morocco and it's making this this knocking sound. And I'm like, look, like, and I'm, and I'm talking to him, and I can hear it. I'm putting like, you know, you put the old fucking extension, a piece of metal to the motor, and you're like listening for where things are fucking rattling. And I'm a good mechanic, guys. That's how I kept this whole shit show on the road. Like, I fucking can fix anything, right? Redneck ingenuity. I fucking fix anything with duct tape. <laughs> so, fuck. We pull. Sandra finds this four wheel drive shop, and we pull in. And so they're dis- what do they do? They disconnect. So the problem was one of the belts. There's your your main, you know. Um, uh, you know, like where you're, you're fucking here. I am saying I'm a good mechanic. I can't remember the name of things. Uh, essentially one of the pulleys was having a problem and we had welded it, but you can't weld it because it set it offset it now. So it was fucking making noise. So basically we had to put a new pulley on and it was still making this sound. We pull in the shop, they take the belt off and they're fucking revving the engine. I'm like, what are these assholes doing? And sure enough, fucking blew it. You hear it. You heard it throw a rod. Boom, motherfuckers. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're so we're okay. We're in this Moroccan. We're broke down. We have like zero money in our accounts. And these motherfuckers just blew up my motor. And they have the audacity like 20 minutes later to come out and say, here's a bill for $5,500. You either pay, agree to pay it now or you have to leave our shop. It's like closing time. And then right. it's Friday. And I'm like, look, wait, what, motherfuckers? So one of the guys, like, so like, it's it, imagine I'm just like, I'm devastated, but I'm being quiet because I'm ready to strangle this motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I don't have five grand. So, you know, like, I don't know what you homie. So we're like, luckily I had my buddy, George, I had my partner Vasil with me. So I had my crew, a crew with us and they're like, no, like we know we can get a used motor for like fucking 2,500 bucks. You know, like this isn't rocket science. It's like a 10 hour job to pull out the motor and put a new one in. But these guys are trying to charge us like an arm and leg. Is that they, they know they're holding us hostage. We, we can't even argue the fact that they blew this thing up. So Vasil's like, look, man, you've got a huge following now. He goes, go put a GoFundMe out there. I'm like, man, we can't do that. Like, it would be, the, the backlash will be terrible because here we are, like, traveling the world. Like, people do not want to help fucking, like, just pay for us to go, you know, to, to travel the world. And, and we should go get a job and all this. Sure. What the fuck else are we going to do? Right. <laughs> so we do. So we make a GoFundMe. And I'm very blunt in it. I'm like, look, I blew up this motor. If you guys like what we're doing, you like the content we're putting out, we need to get them a new motor and get the show back on the road. Right. And man, I have not ever had such backlash. It was like the weirdest shit in the world. Like I had a thousand people on commenting, like, how dare you go get a job, go back to America, go work, do this. I'm like, so that's that's what they offered you to give up on your dreams. I'm like, yeah. I've come this far. You guys have no idea who the fuck I am. I've come this far. I've done this much shit. You think because of a couple of grand or because I have to get down on my knees and ask for money that I'm going to fucking give up? 
Sure. Fuck you. So I have an amazing fan base. We raised like five grand in like fucking almost three days. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it sparked a whole new mentality. And at the same time, we're like, so we get a new motor and we get back to, 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 to Europe. I'm like, look, we, we're broke. Like, obviously it's not sustainable. We got enough money to get the motor to get back. So I go back to America after four and a half years. I, I left. And I remember I didn't go home. I haven't seen my family. I haven't seen my friends, nobody. I go back to America. I put our property for sale. I sell my dirt bikes. I sell everything. It was all just sitting in a, you know, all of our production equipment. I had everything just sitting there, but I, I refused to go back because any moment that I was dealing with that, I wasn't focusing on what I wanted that I needed to do, but real life had finally kicked in and kicked me sure. in the nuts. Sure. So I'm, I'm a humble guy, whatever. I don't care. So I went back, sold a bunch of shit and, um, paid off our credit cards. We were f- fucked. And, uh, so I paid all the credit cards off and I was like, look, we have enough money to pay this for the next couple months. Let's focus on like what we're going to do. We're going to keep making videos. And then because I was in America, uh, monetization kicked in for our videos and we made like 800 bucks while I was mm-hmm. there. And we were like, what the fuck? So long story short, um, we figured out how to use a proxy computer so we basically have a slave. So basically I have a computer at my parents' house set up that we, I had to log out of my personal Facebook. My uncle had to log into my Instagram and my Facebook on his cell phone. And I had to have a slave computer that we had at my dad's house. So for like the last four months, we've been making about 4,000 to 5,000 per month from social networks from what nice. we've been doing. Right? No, really. Yeah. It's fucking wicked. So the money that we had left from selling things in America, we haven't had to touch that. Mm. And last, I think it was two last month after Four and a half years, we finally made more money than we've spent by like 800 bucks. Nice. So, so people out there, like they're like overnight success or this is easy. Like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I've been all in on this shit for years. Well, that's the uh, thing, right? Standard. People, uh, people think it's an overnight success, but that's because they haven't seen all the shit that went on during the day to fucking get there. <laughs> right. You know, and and they, and, they, and they don't want to, but that's that's the reality that they don't they don't want to. And no. most most channels, I feel very fortunate for our fan base. You know, we're almost at three hundred fifty thousand now, and our audience knows that there ain't no motherfucking ass shaking. There ain't gonna be no fucking titties. There ain't gonna be no fucking fake, uh, you know, Instagram bullshit. You come to our fucking channel, you're getting real life. You're getting real life fucking problems, and we're gonna talk about prison. We're gonna talk about addiction. We're gonna talk about the struggles that we're going through to make this shit happen. And and that's what we are most proud of is that we've somehow made a living living. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? So well, um, you, you must've seen it, especially because of the side that you're on. I mean, we live in a fucking world where um, social media is all about making yourself look as cool as possible and as flawless as possible. And we all know that that's not the case. There is no flawless human being and life sometimes absolutely fucking sucks. And I think people are finally getting sick of seeing the airbrushed world and they're wanting to see the real thing, right? I mean, they want to see what's actually going on out there, especially because there's a lot of people that for either lack of drive or lack of ability aren't able to do the things that you guys are doing and they want to see what it's really like i don't want candy coated shit i want the real deal i want to see mm-hmm. the dirty nasty stuff just as much as i want to see the amazing stuff because and i'm sure you know this because you're living it the amazing stuff is amazing because of the shit you got to go through to get there yeah you know what's ironic is the amazing shit is actually the journey there yeah right so 
I tell people, you know, like we're getting an alpinism phase. Like I, I'm, I'm, I feel that I'm taking the sports to another level. I'm mixing alpinists with, you know, wingsuiting and I'm, I'm stepping up my game and we're working on, you know, Pakistan, you know, going there and doing 6,000 meter, you know, jumps. And we're really, I, I took the, I took the athleticism serious mm. and we took the wingsuiting and the climbing and all that serious. But you got to remember, like, even the dopest wingsuit base jumps are only, what, 60 seconds? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're longer sure. than my sex life, but fucking, <laughs> hey. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, there's way more foreplay in Alpinist there than there is. And so the point being is, is that, like, people are reaching out to us. and They're like, we want to know, how did you get there? Like, tell us a story of how you got, like, the research. Like, how do you find these jumps? Mm. So I'm, I'm even, like, you know, like, even more blessed because I'm not making a living from posting wingsuit videos. Like people like it and we, it's like sex candy, you know, like it's good sells for sure. But we've actually made a video from our dogs and Sandra and I, and and being average ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things. And and what we're trying to tell people, I look, I had a nonprofit just care more and I worked with foster kids. And that was my dream originally to have a camp to be able to host kids like me fucked in the head and i wanted to you know to to work with them and i did it and i, I hosted a camp uh i like working with kids but it, it's it's because of political bullshit because of the way the communities are i could i can't i can't handle it sure. I, you're talking about you're talking about a machine that's designed to uh it's a corporation look human trafficking is a corporation i'm not getting into all that bullshit right now but yeah. at the end of the day there's there's money and fucking and foster kids and i can't change a system that's designed to fucking put money in fucking politicians pockets that's yeah, the yeah. reality of that bullshit so we're not gonna get into that so I had to figure out another way. And, and, and the ironic part is, is if you try to, t- I've learned because of my addiction, because of prison, because of all the therapists, a fucking all this bullshit. I've always learned that if you try to tell people how to live, you know, or how, what they should do, they disregard what you're saying. Right. You know, and when you have a family member, your dad's like, you know, they're trying to give you good advice, but you do it anyways. Right. Because sure. you, you have to experience these things for yourself. I've always thought that it was better to show people how I do it and show the truth of how I have done it and how I'm going to continue doing it. And if they find inspiration from that, I'm winning because I'm living my best version of myself and others are learning from that. Sure. And that's kind of where Jess Caramore has evolved into. We get like, it's weird, right? We get like 10 to 20 messages a day of people overcoming addiction, suicide, um, you know, abuse, uh, whatever the fucking problems are. And, and I, I like to talk to these people and that's my therapy. So you gotta remember, I'm still fucked in the head sure. and you know, I'm not going to go sit in a therapist room cause they're fucking, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. So I, I had to figure out how to deal with it. So for me, it's the quiet of the mountains. It's my dogs. It's the road trip. It's the rumble of the fucking van in my ears. It's the breaking down. It's the consistent fucking drama, the problems that I, I find my relief of stress and now sure and then i get to talk to people and they're they're having problems they're they're overcoming addiction they're a method you know fentanyl is killing motherfuckers right now yeah. like i'm i'm th- i'm grateful that wasn't a drug like i'm a tweaker so like i'll stick a needle in my arm and shoot dope and go out and fucking rob people and do you know hood rat shit but at the end of the day these motherfuckers are doing fentanyl and they're fucking dying sure. like left and right and and i i'm grateful that i missed that fucking that that generation so I've had literally like one of the kids at my camp o- overdosed from 
fentanyl his mom reached out and was like look this, literally your camp was that's all he ever talked about he's he, you know he he saw what you were doing and that's what he wanted but the drugs are stronger so that's what we're battling you know sandra is an alcoholic i'm a drug addict like my nemesis is cocaine i stopped doing meth i, I i've only done meth we're being completely honest it was burning man i shot meth uh for the uh, one time i've done meth one time no i've done meth a couple times that's a lie I was, it was also my brother's birthday, 21st birthday. It doesn't matter. Different story. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But, you know what I mean? Listen, shit was rowdy, okay? Sure. And uh, so, but I love cocaine. And, and that's the problem with skydiving. It was so fucking easy at all these boogies to do Molly and cocaine. Yeah, yeah, and all, yeah. all this bullshit, right? So I had, that's part of the reason I had to get out of the sport. Because it was just so easy to get to. And I, I can't say no. Um, I'm, I'm a weak motherfucker. I don't know what to tell you. So that's kind of why I, I think that we're on the run, not from ourselves or anything like that, or from past or crimes or anything like that. But I have to keep moving to stay away from the same group of people, because if I get comfortable around people and people start partying, I can't hang around them and say no for very long. Sure. But if I, if I keep moving, if I keep jumping, if I keep training, if I keep finding things that are bigger than the drugs, you know, I've been around uh, the fuck some Aussies base jumping and they're fucking doing cocaine in front of me. And they're like, hey, mate, you want to blow, blow. And I'm like, yes, I do. But no, I'm leaving. Bye. And, yep. and I just got up and walked away. Right. Because I know if I sit there, I'm going to fucking do a line. Yeah. And we all know what happens to Captain Manicorn when he does cocaine. I fucking burn shit down. It's not a good <laughs> thing. So <laughs> everything is well, going good in my life right now. I mean, honestly, though, it, it does it matter how you uh, manage to work around it as long as you do. If if avoiding it and getting out and jumping and going for broke and doing all the other things that you're doing keeps you from doing that kind of stuff, then then that's fucking working. So who cares how you do it as long as it's working for you? That's the kind of the whole point of what we're what we're dealing with right now. So yeah, man. We're progressing. It's not, we don't know the answers. We don't know. I, I don't have a, you know, I tell Sandra, like, we're not going to, we're, we're going to hit a million followers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put out a fucking guidebook how we got here. Cause you know, I, I don't fucking know, man. Sure. And I don't know where we're going next. And I'm not here to tell people how they should live their lives. I'm just telling, I'm just showing people with our channel, what works for us. And sure. what works for us is just, Keep it real. Like, you well, know, like just keep it real. I think I we're, we're, we're finally hitting a time and a place in the world where um, people doing what you guys are doing and showing that there are alternatives to the nine to five or much worse, you know, 60 hour a week work week to try and, you know, get the BMW in the fucking two car garage. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. If that's what you want, go for it. But there are other options. And if people get nothing else from the stuff that you guys are doing, then the fact that there are other ways, then that's all you need, right? You just show them, hey, there are other options. Pick your own fucking path. Yeah, at the end, at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about, right? That's we're escaping the matrix. I don't know what it is to everybody, but essentially, I came up with this philosophy in my head. I don't know how much time we've got, but I know we're, we're getting there. Essentially, look, I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go all in on my dream because sure. if I can do what I want, I, I'm very fortunate now. I I don't have a lot of money. We're still figuring it all out, but I wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna go base jump. I don't, I don't have to do anything else. I'm going to wake I'm going to go base jump. I'm, I'm going to record some cool stuff. I'm going to work with my wife on some stuff. We're going to work on some videos, but I'm going to do exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get paid for that every, not just tomorrow, but the next day and the next day. So if you're going to struggle, if you're going to struggle to make money, why not figure out what it is your dream is 
and and struggle along that route. So the the advantage to our dream is that if we can cover the the bills essentially to what we're doing, then that keeps paying for gas. It keeps paying for food because my bills aren't a house. My bills aren't fucking expensive cars. My bills aren't the, those different things that you have living in a, in a residential area. Sure. Everything that we make, it, it, it's just an expense towards the next months of adventures. Sure. So that's, that's, that's the advantage. So we came up with this. I did. I came up with this theory. It's like my five steps to success, right? Like the first thing is research. I don't, so yeah, I like uh, philosophy as well. Like you drive anything for 10 hours a day, drive around the world. You think a lot, trust me, but we're going to leave that to another day. But essentially here's the deal. Look, People, I'll leave you with this. People don't take enough time to research what their dreams are. Mm-hmm. Like they don't really think about it. In school, they used to tell you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That was the only time that anybody ever gave you an opportunity to, to express what you truly wanted to do. You're like, I want to be a firefighter. And mostly likely what your dad did or what you saw on TV. It was like, I want, I want to be this, right? But then at some point, they stop asking you that. So you stop thinking about what you can do because you have to go to college. You have to get a job. You have to do all, all these other things, right? So they suppress this imagination, Okay, so the first thing I, I say that people have to do is research. Like, what is it that you've always wanted to do? Dig deep. Like, go through the process. Research it. Is it, you know, like, is it really what you want to do? Like, I want to do alp- alpine wingsuiting. Okay, whatever that means to you guys, whatever. To me, that's my goal right now. I want to do alpine wingsuiting. So the second part is you have to, you have to commit to it, right? So you say, I want to do alpine wingsuiting. So you have to tell yourself this. Like, this is the part that's the hardest thing. I'm going to commit to that. What does that mean, commit to you? It means I need to make a plan. Step three. What is the plan to get to this goal? What no, what are the fucking steps, right? Because if you researched it and you really use your dream and you're really your goal, like anything in life, you're going to create a business plan, right? Luckily, I had, I had made a million dollars. I've spent a million dollars. I've lost a million dollars. I've snorted a million dollars, right? Let's get on past that. Point being is I fucking know how to run a business. So I created, I created a business, okay? A business plan. This is how I'm going to get there. The fourth thing is execution, why do you have to execute this plan? Because you have to build a te- you have to build a baseline. Like any stock, any investment, it has a trend, right? Whether it's going up or down, whatever it does, no matter what, you can't stop this trend. Just like the stock market, it ha- it's going to go every day. Is that the ticker is going to go up or the ticker is going to go down? And if you if you watch it and you study it and you analyze it, whether it's your health, whether it's your fucking family, whether it's your mental health, whether it's your your friendships, your wife, whatever it is, this is all part of that fucking trend, right? And if you can get that trend to trend up, regardless of the dips, regardless of the corrections, regardless of all that bullshit, if you can keep getting it going up, you're going to start seeing what the trend is. And you're going to figure out, okay, this worked, this didn't work. If I want to keep this trend going up, I need to do more of this. So that's the fourth one. And eventually, like anything else, if you stick with it through thick and thin, you will reach your goal. Mm. That, that's, that's a fact, right? Luck is a huge part of it. A good network is a big part of it. And fucking, I wake up at 4.30, 5 o'clock every fucking day. Fuck you. Like, you know what I mean? Like Sandra's looking at me. All right. Five 30. Sometimes she makes the coffee. I'm going to, I'm getting an evil look right now. Uh, okay. So she gets up at four 55. I get up about five 15 after I'm like this when I wake up coffee. That's how we do that. And you know, that's, that's real life. All right. I can't bullshit. So that, that's the, that's what we do that nobody knows about. Like you see me jump off a mountain. I've been up for eight hours before that because I already had to get a full day of work and before I went out and played. Sure. So here's the kicker. Step five. This is this 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 took me four years to figure out this step, and I don't ever hear anybody talking about it. I call it the reset button. It's okay if you reach your goal and you realize that's not what you wanted. It's not what you thought it was. It doesn't make you happy. It's you know the the, the fucking house doesn't make you happy. That woman doesn't make you happy. The car doesn't make you happy. That job doesn't make you happy. It's okay to say that to hit the reset button and start the whole process over. Hell yeah. And it's okay to spend this. 
It's okay to spend the rest of your life doing that. Hell if yeah. that's what it takes for you to find happiness. Because at the end of the day, the, the goal is only momentary. The success is only momentary, but the process can last you the rest of your life. Oh, no and doubt. That's, that's what we represent at Captain Manicorn. That's what I try to do every day. I'm at step four right now. I'm in deep in the middle of fucking figuring this out, trying to make a living from what we're doing. And if, you know, in five years, if I don't like this, I'll do something else. Yeah. But right now, I'm fucking loving it, guys. I'm fucking <laughs> loving it. Well, and that's what made me approach you in the first place because it, that comes through quite clearly with everything that you guys are doing that you're absolutely loving the journey that you're having, which is fucking fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. now... Um, uh, how do because you're going to be able to tell this so much better showing what you guys have been up to so how do people follow you on social media what's the channel that they're going to go to to get the nitty-gritty all the stuff that uh, we haven't had time to talk about yeah so the, the details are you just type in whatever social network it is you like you type in captain manicorn it's <laughs> you know like, like just remember like a unicorn but with a dick i'm a manicorn man and this is captain manicorn uh you know, and the reality is, is we do have a Patreon as well, where we have, um, so we got, keep getting banned. We kept getting, um, fuck dude, we kept getting banned on social networks. They kept kicking my, trying to take my account down because we show some rowdy shit. So we had to create, yeah, like, like just ran like crazy shit. So basically there's a lot of sensitive motherfuckers out there and this cancel culture bullshit. So we had to create a Patreon where we could show this X-rated, not X-rated, it's not fucking porn, but you understand what I'm saying? Like sure, there's yeah, rowdy yeah. shit there. So we do have a Patreon and there's awesome stuff over there, but all we really, we don't care. We don't like that's, it would take a thousand people signed up at $5 a fucking person to make 5,000 a month. Sure. But we're crushing it right now on Facebook. So we would like, if you guys have Facebook, go to Facebook, hit the follow on Captain Manicorn, watch the videos, comment on the videos, engage, message me. I answer every morning. I spent two hours. That's what I do. I wake up in the morning. I spend two hours engaging with everybody. Comment nice. all the com. I go through all the comments and I go through all the messages every morning. So get on Facebook, leave us a message, watch the videos, share the fucking videos, give us feedback, tell us you don't like us, whatever it is you don't want. Because even the negative comments, we still get paid for. Uh, hey. Yep. Yep. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> keep it real, right? Hell so yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. Dude, awesome. It's been fantastic talking to you. I, I know we've had uh, trouble setting it up because you guys are bouncing around all over the place, loving life, and I'm really glad that we finally got to get it done. Thank you. I, You're a lunatic, man. This is a great podcast. I had a great time just letting loose on here. I feel like That's... the... Uh... It was fun. Yeah, I have time. I have not talked this little on any podcast ever. This is a treat for me, cause, and especially for all my listeners, because they're like, thank fuck we don't have to hear from this guy anymore. <laughs> oh, well, but that's great. Anytime that you want to do that, remember, I'm egotistical, and I love the sound of my own voice. So Perfect. anytime you need a break. <laughs> Perfect, dude. Thanks again, brother. Love it. Thank you. Take care. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs rigging courses, and more by Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. 
by Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the LunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.